listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Hello there. Hello, this is not Mary Woods. This is Mark Green. I am standing in for Mary today, as I've done on several shows before. I'm the medical director of Westbridge, and we are an organization that provides evidence-based treatment for people with co-occurring disorders. You can find out more about us at www.westbridge.org. We've had a series of excellent guests talking about a range of issues um, on the topic of addictions and recovery, particularly in the, in the community with co-occurring severe and persistent mental disorders. And today we have Eden Evans um, to talk about smoking cessation in the um, population with schizophrenia particularly and smoking cessation altogether. Um, and Eden is with me today in our makeshift studio. Hi, Eden. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, Eden has been the recipient of the NIMH New Clinical Drug Evaluation Unit Young Investigator Award, Career Development Award from the um, from NIDA, National Institutes of Drug Abuse, and the Massachusetts Department of Public Health Tobacco Control Program Young Investigator Award, and has twice been recipient of the National Alliance for Research on Schizophrenia and Depression, commonly known as NARSAD, Young Investigator Award. Um, she's currently PI on two major grants and the director on another grant from NIDA to study novel, novel treatments for smoking cessation and prevention of relapse to smoking and to develop translational surrogate markers for response, which she can tell you what that means later. She's currently a mentor for three NARSAD Young Investigator Awards. She's Associate Professor of Psychiatry at MGH um, and at Harvard Medical School, is actively involved in education and supervision there, and is the director, medical director of the addictions program yeah, at MGH. Director of the Center for Addiction Medicine. Thank you. Yeah. So, thank you. Welcome. So, Eden, why is this an issue for our population? Tell us um, why should we really care? What's the big deal about the smoking that we find in our populations? Well, the, it's a very big deal. I mean, uh, most, sort of over half of people who smoke in this country have quit in the past 15 years, so that now the smoking, about 20% of the American population smokes. In Massachusetts, it's 18%. Um, in, in the Carolinas, it's up towards 30%. You know, so it varies from state to state. But uh, among those with... Uh, say depression, 50% smoke. Among those mm -hmm. with bipolar disorder, 60% smoke. And among those with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder, 70 to 90% smoke. Um, uh, and, you know, even, even in, in the, it's, it's very prevalent just even in the, in the environment. So that in Massachusetts, uh, uh, one of the directors of, the, of, um, of Westboro State Hospital, one of the Department of Mental Health mm -hmm. Hospitals, she did a, a survey and found that while 18% of the Massachusetts population smoked, 50% of the employees of the Department of Mental Health smoked. So it's not just some of the participants in the programs, but also a lot it's, of the staff. It's really in the environment. The environment right. right. 
Um, and then, um, I don't know if you know Ken Duckworth, I think you do. Uh, he was very interested in this, and, and, um, and when he was... So Ken was the um, prior commissioner of mental health, yeah. and also he was uh, my the, predecessor at Westbridge. Right. So, so um, you know, he began looking at this, and, and the state medical directors and, and at, the, at the departments of mental health around the country looked at this, and they found that people in Department of Mental Health lose on average 25 years of life. Staff. No, or patients. Patients. Yeah. 25 years. 25 years of life due to what they call smoking attributable mortality. Mm -hmm. So that's cancer, heart disease, um, emphysema, um, people basically just getting sick and, and having poor quality of life because right. of these, these smoking related not illnesses. Just, not just 25 years, but those 25 years are grimmer too. Right, right. right. And you, you used to be thought that people with schizophrenia were, had something that protected them from cancer. Um, and, and there was a, a hunt through the 80s to look for the, the gene that, that, that protects people with schizophrenia from cancer, right? Because they had lower rates of cancer. Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know what happened? They, they died earlier from right. cardiovascular disease. Okay. They didn't live long enough to get cancer. Uh -huh. So um, in the same numbers. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a real issue for, for, for life as well as quality of life. Right. So yeah. before they died 25 years younger... They're already dying of, um, they're already getting sick from cardiovascular disease, hypertension, heart attacks, and strokes. Right. Um, and um, so that's 70 to 90 percent of people with schizophrenia right. will be actively smoking. Right. And they're quit. And you said 50 percent of people have in the general population have managed to quit over the last 10 years. That's right. Half of smokers have quit. Um, hmm. You know, and um, with sustained recovery. Yeah. Right. Um, and does that differ with the uh, with the population with severe mental illness? Well, yes, it does very much. And, and you know, up until very recently, people were not, with, with major mental illness, were not ever offered treatment. Right. And so this is something that, that, that is, is just changing. I and mean, there's just now enough evidence to really be able to say with, um, with confidence that treatments work, they're, they're safe in this population. I've been studying this for 10 years, and, and, you know, I would always speak to people and say, I want you to quit smoking, but I want your symptoms to stay stable while you quit smoking. And so we very carefully looked, looked at people's hallucinations, delusions, sense of, of irritability or agitation, how well they were sleeping, to make sure that their symptoms stayed stable and they stayed out of the hospital. And I think, because I think a lot of doctors don't encourage their patients to quit, to quit smoking, their patients with schizophrenia or depression, um, because they're worried that they're, it will destabilize their illness. It's interesting. I mean, you know, when um, I, it wasn't too long ago when psychiatric hospitals would allow um, patients to smoke continuously, and it was the only, only place in the hospital where you could. Right. Um, and there'd be people dying on the next floor up from cardiovascular right. disease. Um, but the people with schizophrenia or other severe mental illnesses would yeah. be smoking in the smoking room. I mean, that's, that's finally changing. I mean, right. It sounds like you come from the UK somewhere. Over the, no. Yeah, I'm from London originally right. and so, did my training in New York. So they just, um, the UK in, in July of this year, just made psychiatric inpatient units, units smoke-free. Wow. Um, so they did it for all other hospitals a year ago, but they gave psychiatric units an extra year to plan and execute it, and so so it's been now seven months since they they all hospital all, all psychiatric inpatient units in the UK are now smoke free. Um, so that's an, an amazing amazing accomplishment. So you said that so that it is an amazing accomplishment, and there was a lot of resistance in the hospitals when um, that started. Mm -hmm. um, that of course people want to carry on with their 
drug of choice or a drug to keep them through. But there was something about um, the worry about uh, how much stress this would cause right. to, for people to I mean, if somebody's stop. having a decomp, you know, they're, they're, they're psychotic decompensation, they're sick, they're, they're not feeling well, the last thing you want is then to add nicotine withdrawal to that, mm-hmm. to that mix. But you don't have to. You can, you know, a nicotine patch is a very easy thing to to uh, apply to somebody's upper arm or their back and, you know, or have them apply it or use some gum. So they don't have withdrawal. That so that was one of the very important that that people advocate that hospitals put that on their formulary. It's expensive. Yeah. So right, instead of the cost being deferred to the family or to the correct. patients, then uh, the hospital has to be correct. Paid for the, you know, so there's been some resistance to that, but um, um, so one of the reasons may have been a concern about psychotic decompensation, um, which uh, may be myth or not. Um, but you did say that you want to you want to protect people from nicotine yeah. withdrawal, which could exacerbate that. Nicotine withdrawal in, in, involves a number of symptoms that that are uncomfortable. So irritability, insomnia are, are probably the the, the, the and, and just sort of it's called negative affect, which is part of irritability. It just means feeling crummy. It's not feeling depressed or apathetic, but just feeling feeling crummy. Um, and, and irritability is a big part of that, but you can prevent that. And that, that happens to everybody. And it, but it lasts, you know, it peaks at about two days. It lasts for about, usually not more than four days or so, but it can last up to two weeks. Um, it's not including craving. Craving can last for, you know, a long time. It can come and go uh, for a surprisingly long time. But uh, you can, uh, treatments are very effective at preventing nicotine withdrawal symptoms. But it's important to... I find it important to talk, to speak to people and so that they know what to expect. They know that these are nicotine withdrawal symptoms because as, as people's psychiatrists, we've spent, you know, years um, often with patients teaching them to recognize this, the, the early warning signs of, of psychotic, right. of, of a relapse, right? Yes. And so they often finally learn that, that if they stop sleeping so well to come and tell you or they may have PRNs of their antipsychotic medication to take. Um, so, so in hospital it may be misinterpreted. Yeah. as exacerbation it and not thought be. to be nicotine withdrawal. But, you know, the last time I reviewed this for the Massachusetts Hospital Association, when they were going, when DPH um, uh, mandated that they go, that all hospitals go smoke-free, mm. um, there were 10 studies published um, of, you know, what happened when we took our unit smoke-free. And all the staff were very concerned that there would be that more, just, just more bad outcomes, more, more PRN medication, more seclusion and restraint, more, more signing out AMA without getting treatment. Um, and in every case but one, it was an absolute non-event. Nothing extra happened. Mm-hmm. They, 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 you know, they studied the six months before, the six months after. There was nothing that happened. Do um, people, do, do you think that um, withdrawal symptoms might be more severe? Do people with, um, people with severe mental illness Smoke more cigarettes. They do smoke more cigarettes, and the, the cigarettes they smoke, they, they they actually extract more nicotine per cigarette. So they smoke each cigarette probably harder. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they don't metabolize it more slowly, so they probably just take in more from each cigarette. So that's important to know. So so um, like a, a so the, in dosing, often it's important not to just use a 21 milligram patch, which is the highest dose of patch that you can use that that, that you can buy but to supplement that with nicotine gum or nicotine lozenges. Um, a single patch substitutes about 60% of the nicotine that's taken in by a one-pack-a-day smoker mm-hmm. in the general population. Right. So it probably replaces 
less than that in somebody with a major mental illness because they, even if they're a one-pack-a-day smoker, they take in more nicotine, so their body's used to more nicotine. I see. So for our studies, we've tended to use 21 milligrams of, of, in a nicotine patch, which you can buy at your mm-hmm. local drugstore, but, to, but also up to nine pieces a day of the gum, of the yes. two-milligram gum. So that's right. another 18 milligrams. And people are comfortable that way. And that way, it's very useful because we tell them, instead of smoking a cigarette, if you get a craving, put a piece of gum in your mouth, you know, and use that. Um, and then we have to teach them that it's not, you don't chew it like chewing gum. You, we'll come back yeah. to that technique a little bit. Yeah. It, you mentioned the cost um, of the nicotine patches. And what is the cost? So the average number of cigarettes might still be the same. Um, in, we'll come back to the question afterwards. I want you to talk about the comparative cost of smoking and the ribby returning in a few minutes. to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. If you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office, you need the all-new ozone light. It's as simple as changing your light bulbs. The ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb. It screws in most standard light sockets, but it's not a normal light bulb. It's coated with titanium dioxide. It's completely safe, but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria, mold spores, and neutralizes odors. Just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb. If you have smokers, if you have allergies, if you have pet odors, mold, or mildew, you need the ozone light. It will wipe them out, and you have our word. If you're not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home, simply return it for a full refund. Here's the number to call to order. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. Save up to $100 now. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. And hello, welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mark Green standing in for Mary Woods and Eden Evans talking about smoking in the schizophrenic and um, broadly, more broadly um, psychiatric community. Eden, we're just talking about cost issues and 
um, I asked you off air about how many pe- how many cigarettes people with severe mental illness smoke compared to the general population, and whether it would how how it works out um, in comparison to smoking cessation strategies. Right. Well, people with, with major mental illness, particularly schizophrenia, are A, more likely to smoke. We talked about that. B, they, they extract more nicotine for every cigarette that they smoke, and but also all the other junk that's in cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And, and then C, they smoke, tend to smoke more cigarettes per day. And so a smoker with schizophrenia is, is much more likely to be dependent on nicotine than, than a smoker without a major mental illness. Um, you know, they're more likely to smoke daily and smoke more than a pack a day, that sort of thing. Okay. And cost. You know the the pricing of these 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 the treatments for that work for for quitting smoking nicotine replacement therapy is over the counter, although um, some in some places you can get reimbursement for it. So in some places, um, Medicare and Medicaid will pay for it. In some cases, commercial insurance will pay for it. But if you're buying it from your local pharmacy, they priced it to be roughly comparable to buying cigarettes. Right. But the but the hope is that is that uh, you know it's going to be shorter term, right? So nicotine replacement therapy is hopefully not for life. And um, although if it is for life, it's probably better than smoking cigarettes. Um, some people continue to take it for a long, long time. Um, Although it's so interesting how how it's put, how it's marketed. Yeah. You know, the uh, cigarettes are up there, looking beautiful behind the counter, really easy access, um, and right where you're going to pay, and you have to get going into the corner to a locked cabinet to get the nicotine replacement treatment. Right, right it's not advertised as heavily. That's yeah, right, yeah. that's right. Um, let's turn a little bit to the reasons for the increased mm-hmm. smoking in this population. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, nicotine is one of the most addictive substances known to man. Okay, so so if you take if you take laboratory animals, okay, so so uh, and you give them the choice, they're in a cage and you give them the choice, water or nicotine. They can have one or the other, but not both, and they have one dose every 10 minutes. 90% will choose the nicotine until they die of dehydration. Nicotine is very powerful. Um, and, um, you know, people have found, including our group, that, that nicotine can actually improve some symptoms of schizophrenia. Um, a single dose in a non-smoker or a never-smoker can improve uh Responsiveness to reward, and so 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 that that's sort of a proxy for depression or anhedonia. Okay, so it can improve that. It can improve your how how much you react to something that's like praise or reward. Okay, so it can increase response to reward, yeah. but it would do because it's a drug of addiction working in that pathway, right? But does, are you saying that it improves mood? Uh, I don't have, I don't know. Or decreases apathy. I think it probably does decrease apathy. And for for the people, I mean, this was an effect, a a single dose, single patch lasted for two weeks. So so it was a a surprisingly powerful effect. Mm -hmm. These are in non-smokers. So so, it increased their reward responsivity. Correct. Using like a... Just a computer task. Correct, yeah, yeah, you know. Congratulations, right. you just won five cents. Right. Smiley face, you know. So it's, not, so it's a pretty small reward, but, mm-hmm. but improves their, their responsiveness to it. Now, um, there's a group in Yale who've, who've written some very interesting papers uh, get, getting back to the, the addictiveness of nicotine. And they, they postulate that, that people with schizophrenia and maybe other psychiatric illnesses, that that illness makes them more likely to become dependent on a drug. 
Okay, so it's essentially a dual vulnerability, which is a little different to what I think we've 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 really learned about. I was taught in in medical school that uh, people sort of self-medicate, mm -hmm. so they have this. They schizophrenia, they have depression, they have negative symptoms, and so they take this drug in order to feel better. This, this group with John Crystal in, in, in Yale basically say, well, the, the neurobiology that makes you vulnerable for this major mental illness um, also makes you vulnerable to becoming dependent on a drug of abuse. Mm -hmm. So you're just more vulnerable if you, if you, if you, if you have a major mental illness and you try a, a drug, you're more vulnerable to becoming dependent on that. That's now that's still a hypothesis or a theory, um, but but it's pretty compelling. Um, and right. there are more and more data that 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 suggests that that's correct. So, um, and I guess there's lots of potential pathways for that, aren't there? Um, it could be the do changes of dopaminergic mm -hmm. um, transmission that yeah. you see in this severe mental illness. Yeah, but it's around sort of, I think that, that you mentioned depression, but it, it is around that. This, you know, if somebody starts using drugs of abuse over time, they, they rewire their system and, they're, and they're, they are, have a blunted response to natural rewards, okay? Mm -hmm. So a blue sky is not so blue anymore, mm -hmm. and they need to take this drug in order to feel good or after a while in order to feel anything. Right. And that's a, a primary symptom of so many um, major mental illnesses. Although um, reward responsivity isn't necessarily um, the same for different rewards, right? So it might be encouraging the short-termism rather than long-term planning, um, short because you know, addiction and drugs of abuse shift people towards immediate short-term gains over long-term choices like love and work. Right. Um, the so sorry did you want to say no. um, so one aspect was um, that you're saying the increased um, the, the the major mental illnesses themselves predispose people to maybe acquire um, addictions and then the stress we know that stress responsivity um, makes people more liable to relapse later on also yeah. um, and then the self-medication hypothesis, do you think that people also do um, maybe soothe themselves in some way with nicotine? I know that you know, some people are reluctant to take away um, smoking from um, their patients, if they're primary care physician, let's say, you know, and, uh, because, well, they don't want to take away the only crutch, and they see, that, they see this as you know, one of the few pleasures that this person has. What do you make of that attitude? Well, I've sort of, I'll speak to that from two standpoints. You know, first of all, it's, it, patients, people with a, with a severe mental illness, they come to us and they ask for help with quitting smoking. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the message that I'd like to, to convey to, to the listeners today is, is, is you know, people with severe mental illness and their families really need to think about smoking and, and ask for treatment because often, their, their doctors aren't aware that, that they can successfully quit smoking, that it's safe and there are effective treatments and that it, the prognosis is actually very good. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't, you know, drag anybody down by their earlobes to, to, to quit smoking. Patients knock on our door. So there's a, there's a big, uh, and, you know, it's maybe 20% of smokers with a severe mental illness who will be ready at any given time to try to quit. 
Um, that may be lower than in the general population, but there are a lot of people who do want to quit and can do it. So, so uh, you know, and it's it's strange for a doctor to feel like they are taking away um, a, a, a quote only pleasure, you know, rather than seeing their role as to help a person with a severe mental illness make a a, a positive change in their life, make make a, a, a healthy choice, and to tackle a a, a challenging change in their behavior. I mean, it's, it's tough to quit smoking, but people can do it. And I have never, you know, been, you know, told, you know, thank you, doctor, um, like like I have from people with, with severe mental illness who have successfully quit smoking. They right. can do it, and, and they can do it and stay stable. And, uh, boy, what a sense of accomplishment. That's right. I mean, to, to, to make substantial low inloads into your recovery in terms of um, symptom management or getting back to a functional um, yeah. way of life and then to die or suffer um, oh, from smoking-related illnesses. To go on, have to go on oxygen at age yeah. 50, you know, yeah. to, to start having heart attacks in your 40s. Yeah. Yeah, so, so essentially, I mean, to, to, to successfully reduce or quit smoking, people feel such a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. and so positive. And, you know, it, certainly now smoking is stigmatizing. You know, we talk about stigma a lot, the stigma of major mental illness. Well, there's a major stigma associated with smoking now. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, 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 to tackle something that's difficult for anybody, okay, and um, it's, it's, it's sort of normalizing to sort of try to quit smoking. That's when it's tough for everybody. A lot of people can relate to that. That's They're taking on a challenge that... That is that's challenging for 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 you know every smoker, severe mental mm-hmm. illness or not. People are so proud of themselves when they make a positive change. It's something they do for themselves. Yeah. And the strange thing is that that a lot of us as doctors don't know that just brief physician advice to quit smoking is effective. Um, you know, I should be speaking to a group of doctors, to t- and I do. I tell them this. That, that and people don't feel that that's the case. They feel a bit hopeless because smoking cessation is hard. But but what they don't know is the average person takes five tries to quit smoking. Okay, so that's not the average person with severe mental illness. That's right. the average right. person. So when somebody comes in to me and says, "Oh, I can't quit smoking," you know, I've, I've I've already tried two times and I couldn't do it. I said, "Well, you're not even you're not even average yet, yeah, you know." Yeah, yeah. Um, and each time you try, you, you tend to learn something about yourself, about what withdrawal is like for you, about what things you can do to um, to get you through it. So coping strategies to get Absolutely. through different cravings, yeah. and yeah. also you learn a great deal about the cues. Yeah, you notice suddenly it's not until you start to. What to avoid? Quit that you realize yeah. all the different moments yeah. and scenarios. A cue is something that in your life that that triggers you to want to smoke. That, that and and for smoking, the trouble is that becomes so integrated in your life that there are so many just cues that you can't avoid, like meals, right? <laughs> you know, like waking up. Like, <laughs> These it's yeah. so like getting integrated. off the train, like going right, waiting out at the bus of the car, stop. like waking right, up right. There's so many cues that, and so then your strategy that works really is. Um, how do you how do you get through those cravings? I've often said to patients, um, you know, how how many other people get an opportunity, you know, to go downstairs to get some fresh air and do some slow deep breathing for a few minutes. Well, that's something that we do. Uh, you know, we tell them to take walks, and that's exactly right. Do deep breathing. You know, right. take a pen if you need to. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> inhale deeply. Right. While you're doing the right. It's very relaxing. It is. I have I have someone at the moment who. Um, and he goes downstairs and 
he, while he's smoking, goes outside, he's de-stressing from work, and he's watching the birds in the car park and enjoying himself. I'm like, you know, no one else is getting that privilege. You should give yourself that privilege right. um, in a healthy way. Right, have non-smoking walks. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. right. Absolutely. Um, so we've, um, and another couple of things which probably are um, positives around smoking include the effects on working memory, tension, and changes in medication levels mm -hmm. that can accompany those. So we shouldn't diminish some of the advantages initially to people smoking while, and we need to under, help well, them understand Well, I think we can talk that. about advantages of nicotine, right. not smoking. So we'll come back to that yeah. in the next section. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's Boombox Player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. This is Mark Green standing in for Mary Woods um, with Eden Evans. So, um, Eden, let's get into some of the... You said that, well, you and I off-air, so there's a bit of therapeutic nihilism about smoking cessation that, we, you know, that it's been so... that it's challenging for everyone, particularly challenging for people with schizophrenia and other mental, major mental illnesses, and that um, that leads to treaters sort of saying, ah, there's not much we can do, let's not bother, let's not stress the, this person, and, and that just leads people to accept 25 years less um, life and a lower quality of life in the meantime. But in fact, there, you've been involved in many studies which um, show that people with severe mental illnesses can do very well with treatment. So maybe let's move into some of that information about non-pharmacological and pharmacological yeah. treatments. I think we are finally at a stage, just, just really just now in the past year, that we can really say with confidence that treatment works for people with schizophrenia. It's safe, it's effective, and quitting smoking is safe. 
Um, in, in other words, you can do it and stay stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, what, what seems to work is a combination of, of, of uh, pharmacologic treatment, which probably substitutes for nicotine in some ways for some of the actual beneficial effects of nicotine um, in patients with schizophrenia. Um, and um, so, so, so treatment, treatment works and patients can, patients can, can do it and can stay stable. Um, we do know that the, the treatments that have been tried mm-hmm. um, that have been effective are just the same treatments that work in the general population. Uh, I, there, there was a specialized group therapy program that was tested against just the American Lung Association um, standard um, treatment program, you know, a, a, along with nicotine replacement therapy. And there's no difference. In fact, the American Lung Association uh, program looked a little bit better, although they, they weren't statistically different. Um, so standard behavioral treatment, whether that's individual with your primary care doctor, individual with your psychiatrist, um, along with Nicotine replacement therapy, I recommend two forms together, a long-acting, which is the patch, and what, whichever one of the short-acting you like. There's, there's, there's gum, lozenge, inhaler, and nasal spray. Um, and a few caveats around some of those. Um, yeah. The, the caveats are a lot of people will say, they, they, oh, nicotine replacement therapy doesn't work for me. Um, and when I ask some of the questions, it's clear that either they were underdosing, mm. so that they didn't get enough, enough to be effective, or they were using it in a way that was, was not going to work. And what, what, How do you what, know when they're underdosing? Well, if they're using, say, two milligram gum and they're taking five pieces a day, but they're a two pack a day smoker, okay. they're not getting anywhere near the amount mm-hmm. of nicotine to replace. The whole point is to have nicotine replacement therapy mm-hmm. so you don't have withdrawal symptoms. So if you're a one-pack-a-day smoker, one patch of the highest dose you can buy, 21-milligram patch, replaces about 60% of the nicotine that you usually would take in from smoking. And, and people have an individual preference for how much nicotine they take, and they smoke to keep their blood level in a very narrow range right. all the time, and it's whatever range works for them. And so that's, the, I think, the goal for nicotine replacement therapy. And I think it works very well to supplement the long-acting um, patch with with the gum or lozenge, which are the easiest to use. Nasal spray and and, and the um, inhaler also work very well. Uh, and if you drink, and, and another thing is that if you drink uh, lots of coffee, you really shouldn't use the gum as your choice because it will not be absorbed if you have an acidic environment in your mouth. So that's colas and and gum, as uh, colas and coffee are acidic, and they would basically make make it so that you, you don't absorb the nicotine. So you think so you're of, taking it, but... So a lot of our um, participants who are going to dual recovery um, yeah. AA meetings yeah. and drinking coffee in the evening yeah. should probably try something different. Try the inhaler, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also, that's a little bit, can be cheaper because it's a prescription, so that, okay. so that your insurance covers that. There, there, there are different strategies around that. But um, bupropion works, and it, which is also marketed as, as Zyban or Wellbutrin, uh, it, it, it works better than placebo. There are now three studies that show that. Um, bupropion plus NRT. And with bupropion, I think, um, I haven't heard this for a while, but I know some psychiatrists used to be worried about that exacerbating psychotic symptoms. Yeah. We don't see it. It's, right. it, it, it's not, it, we don't see it. Um, the one symptom that some people get, side effect that some people get from Wellbutrin is insomnia, and that's where, that, that's, that is a deal breaker for some people. Um, about, in my experience, about 10% of people get some insomnia 
probably two or three percent really need to go off of it because it's 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 interrupt it's sort of interfering with their functioning. Right. So so you know know that that's a possible side effect. Keep a lookout for that, and um, there are other options if you if you get it. And then the other one is varenicline, which um, we don't have studies yet in schizophrenia. We have a lot marketed on the name Chantix. Chantix, yep, Chantix, and it's Champix in 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 Europe. Um, we have a large study right now in schizophrenia that's underway uh, and um, looking at it one year's worth of treatment uh, with, with, with Chantix. And um, the company has a multi-center study, um, an acute study. Um, so theirs is just, I think, a 12-week study um, in patients with schizophrenia. So we will have information very soon. Now, on, Ch on Chantix, um, in the overall population, how effective has it been? It's been fabulously effective. It's, it's, it's better than placebo. It's also been uh, shown to be better than bupropion in two studies. So bupropion works, or Zyban, is about twice as good as, as just placebo. So it doubles your chance of quitting okay. over and above placebo plus behavioral treatment alone. And in the studies that have been done so far, um, Renekin approximately triples your chances of quitting. Um, and there have been, um, for all of these, um, the, the recommendation, my recommendation is to, to get your symptoms of your illness as under control as possible. So beyond your medication, beyond, uh, you know, and, and get, get your symptoms as stable as you can. But that said, you know, we've helped people who, who are, just have symptoms no matter what medicine they take. They have symptoms, They're, you know, psychotic symptoms, they have delusions, they hear voices all the time, or people who are still, who remain depressed um, despite the best, you know, the best treatment you can give them. And, and for those folks, as long as they stay on their meds, we, we, we help them quit smoking. We've had, we've had good, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, in the general population and perhaps with the, with, um, the population with co-occurring disorders too, um, there's been some concern about increased side effects or um, bad dreams or maybe some anxiety or um, even suicidal thinking with um, Berenicline. With Berenicline, yes. There have been I mean, 30 completed suicides. There have been uh, between 250 and 300 cases of, of either suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, or some acts. But this is out of 6 million prescriptions written. So it, it's, it's something that, that we're studying very carefully. None of this was reported in, in, the, in the, um, the controlled studies, you know, in 4,000 patients, people, 4,000 smokers. But these, you know, in these early studies, people with major mental illness was, were, were not included. They were excluded from these studies, as is usually the case. Right. So, um, so if you were to take that um, 6 million people and compare it with um, just a, another 6 million people from the neighboring town who had nothing, to, who weren't on... Um, Shantix at all, would you see a similar or lowered or higher rates of suicide or suicidal ideation? That's a very good question. Um, and essentially what, what the FDA is saying now is they can't rule in or rule out a connection. So essentially it's not strong, a strong enough signal to, to, to say that, that this is due to, to Shantix or that the rate is higher if you're on Shantix. Right. But it's enough of a signal that they want to study it very carefully. Um, and so that's that's right now we're doing that in in, in patient, 300 patients with schizophrenia. Um, there'll be a similar number in in, in another study. So we'll ha we'll have a reasonable amount of, of information. We're actually cool. studying it as a therapy. Um, and and another group I've just reviewed, I know that has has completed a study where they had good results in people with depression using it as a therapy, 
essentially to improve mood. It's a nicotine agonist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about nicotine being therapeutic, improving working memory, improving attention, improving motor speed. Um, and Shantix is a partial agonist at, at the high affinity nicotine receptor, which is associated with addiction, but it's a full agonist or fully active um, at the lower affinity receptor, which is thought to be associated with schizophrenia. That, that's the receptor, the alpha-7 receptor, which is people with schizophrenia have fewer of them, and the one they, mm-hmm. ones that they have don't work quite as well, um, right. and, which is one of the reasons thought to be why the prevalence of smoking is so high in schizophrenia. So there are a lot of reasons why varenicline should actually be beneficial in in this illness. So I think it's something that we just really have to to study and control trials. So as with all medicines, it comes down to risk-benefit analysis. And from from what you can see, um, the risks are things to be respected and followed collaboratively, um, but the benefits are potentially enormous. Oh, they're enormous. I mean, half of smokers will die of a smoking-related illness. Pretty, that's, that's right, of, that's stunning. Um, yeah. And so we just need more information. But our, our, our experience with Renekland so far has been that, that people like it. People, the, the, main, the main side effect that, 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 that I've observed with Renekland is, is nausea. And a lot of people get nausea. Yeah. Most people can tolerate it pretty well and um, are able to stay on the medication but if once you get nausea and vomiting, I ask people to stop it, and we, we try other medications. I've had several um, people who've just been able to bring the dose down substantially and stay at a lower dose um, and been able to avoid that, you know, maybe in conju- conjunction with a, um, an anti-nausea medication, anti, uh, an were, anti-acid medication. That's interesting. Kind. Were they able to quit? And, they, and able to quit. So because that's we, what the studies indicate. We try to indicate. keep it at a higher dose for, yeah. for a while, uh-huh. um, give them something for their stomach, and then bring the dose down, and then they're able to stay at that. That's good. Dose. In my experience, it's been limited. Granted, those who reduced their dose didn't weren't able to quit. Mm-hmm. But the studies indicated that that, the, that a half a milligram twice a day, which is half the, right. the, the, the recommended dose, was very effective. So it should work, and so your experience is what sh- I should be observing. So, so that's good to know. Um, but uh, yeah, going to half the dose does reduce the nausea, um, and most people the nausea lasts a week or two and then goes away. Do you ever use um, Chantix in combination with bupropion? I mean, it makes no sense to use it in combination with nicotine replacement, right? Uh, that would be my uh, thought. Yeah, and it's not been studied in combination. I think that's a very interesting. Um, Idea. We're studying it just by itself and looking very carefully at safety right. and efficacy yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a first step. Right. Yeah. And effect on cognition. Okay. Well, thank you so much. We'll come back to our last segment in a minute. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families can recover from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's Boombox Player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mark Green, Medical Director at Westbridge, talking with Eden Evans, uh, Medical Director of the Center for Addictions um, is that right? at MGH, at Massachusetts General Hospital. Um, we were just talking about um, non-pharmacological treatments and the overall um, approach to treatments that um, people might have um, because we got into some medications, but yeah. You were saying that. Uh, yeah. So, so the medications are very helpful, and and we now really know that the, that pharmacotherapy is effective, safe and effective in schizophrenia. Um, so that would that would be nicotine replacement therapy, bupropion, or the combination, and probably varenicline will be too, although it hasn't been studied. Studies haven't been finished, but none of these have been shown to work without behavioral support and treatment, and that means finding a group um, of people you know, with major mental illness or without who are all trying to quit. Um, if you can't find that, using the quit line, there's now a national quit line both in America and Canada, and then each state has their own quit lines, which may be able to help you with um, with finding resources to help you quit smoking. Um, and then using sort of coping strategies, and one of those coping strategies I think that's the most effective is just doing something else. When you get the craving to smoke, Whatever works for you, going for a walk without your cigarettes, mind you, mm-hmm. um, going running, you know, going shopping, you know, going and calling a friend on the phone, uh, you're visiting somebody, whatever works for you, but doing something else and realizing that while cravings are so powerful um, and so intense, they, they pass as, you know, actually more quickly than it takes a stoplight to change. 
So it doesn't see it, you know, time them sometimes. Those of you who are who are smokers, they they it's it, they they are very intense, but but it, they're surprisingly fast. When when I tell, say that to the smokers, they don't believe me until they go and 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 check it out for themselves. Right, because it builds so much, and time seems to go so slowly at those times, and your entire attention is focused That's on right. it. But it builds up and then levels off and comes down. Right, and the process is times at something around five to seven minutes. I think is is what, what well, about I, two about two <laughs> um, I always heard, I thought five seven um, and, two to five and then um, and what you're saying is during those times just change the frame right um, whatever it is before it gets super yeah. intense when you're already when when the battle is very fierce right and that's why not having them having cigarettes available is very helpful so mm-hmm. that if you have to go all the way to the store to get them well by then your craving has passed and hopefully you've remembered why you want to quit right and um, using something like gum or lozenge nicotine replacement therapy that can be one of the things that you do instead of smoking because mm-hmm. it's not once you have gum in your mouth or a lozenge it's not so nice to smoke and you have something in your mouth and and that's in all of our studies and in in other studies um Success at quitting smoking is correlated with the number of doses of nicotine replacement therapy that you take. So the more the more you take within reason, um, the more likely you are to quit smoking. I'm an ex-smoker actually, and uh, when um, I still find nicotine gum in some of my pants or bags because I've scattered them everywhere, so I'd never allow my cravings to get so high because the stinking thinking would take me. And then you weren't thinking logically. You're mm-hmm. thinking, oh, it makes sense. I just have one. Off it goes. Off, off you go. So, you know, I just, once the craving got to, you know, 20% of where I knew it would get, I'd just pop a, pop a um, gum in. And I'd just never be away from them. Yeah. You know, so um, that's what I tell my patients, too. Yeah. Um, and the four Ds. The four Ds, so, so the biggest one really is do something else, and the others are, are sort of variations on the theme. So deep breathe, which we talked about before, right? So do some deep breathing, uh, drink water, delay, and do something else. Okay. So, so this is just, you know, something that we, for people, we put it on a card. They put it in their wallet because when, they, when the craving hits, it sort of takes over all your thinking sometimes. And so if you whip out this card, uh, say, okay, I'll do... Uh, I'll do, and, and then you put on there whatever works for you. you know? I think the deep breathing is interesting because the makers of cigarettes have designed this fantastic delivery system which actually stimulates the back of your throat, and that's a big part of some of the, uh, the associations that you get, right? So yeah. um, the deep breathing might, yeah. um, might circumvent that and um, try and beat the sophistication of the smoking yeah. of the nicotine companies. And so these are things that you want to learn and to be able to use for a lifetime because that's obviously the goal is lifetime quitting. Even if it takes you five tries or more to become a lifetime quitter, um, that's the goal. Um, and I think one of the things that we found is that many people, like I've said, the, the, the medications work. Um, people with, with major mental illness can quit smoking. One thing that we have found, though, is, is people go back to smoking very quickly after they stop the medication mm-hmm. for smoking cessation. And so one of the things that we're looking at is whether uh, longer term, like up to a year, um, like right now, varenicline or Shantix you can get for six months. Okay, so they're moving away so from three a three months to, initially, and then that's right. Request another three. That's months. right. If you quit, you can get it for another three months. Mm-hmm. And we're now looking at one year's treatment, and we don't know if we're looking at at chronic treatment. We'll find out. We'll, we'll see what the relapse rate is. 
for people who stay quit for a year on Shantix. Yeah. If you then stop it and, and 50 or 75% relapse within a few weeks, then I think we'll have a pretty good idea that, that we're looking at more like lifelong treatment. And that may make sense. If there are nicotine receptor abnormalities that are associated with depression and schizophrenia, then it may be that chronic treatment is, is needed. That's, that's something that's, that's actively being investigated. But you may want to think about staying on whatever treatment you get for a little bit longer, certainly I think longer than the 12 weeks. And using that and not getting complacent during that time and Absolutely. thinking, oh, this isn't too bad, but really using that yeah. respite to um, get expert yeah. on the coping strategies that you're going to need when you go back into battle. You know, we've found that confidence in your ability to quit is not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what, what, what really is associated with success in quitting smoking is desire to quit, desire to be a, a non-smoker. Like on a scale yeah. of 1 to 10, how much do you really want to quit? Oh, an 8 or a 10. But if, you're, if people who are very confident, mm-hmm. I think underestimate how, what a challenge it is. Yes. And they may be just the ones, like you said, to get complacent. Oh, I can do this, no problem. And then they have a slipper. Oh, I'll just have just one, and they're back to smoking a pack a day. So yeah, but you don't have to believe you can quit, but you have to want to quit. Right. the way we... And you have to be a, want an identity change. That's right. I am a non-smoker. Right. Yes. Okay, let's, we've got... This is a short segment, this one. So um, some of the re- let's go to some of the future directions that you wanted to discuss. And I also wanted to give you opportunity to talk about the studies that you're involved in and yeah. So future directions really are looking at, at uh, combination treatments um, um, and l- also looking at w- what, we w- what we want to do with people's, um, what we want to do, th- th- what people should do when they, when they go on these medicines and quit smoking with their psychiatric medications. One of the nice things about quitting smoking is that you can often lower your dose of your antipsychotic medication or your psychiatric medication. You don't need as much of it. Uh, when you smoke, your liver works overtime to get rid of all the toxins that are in tobacco smoke. Okay, so there are over a thousand chemicals in tobacco smoke. Nicotine is what makes you addicted to tobacco smoke, but it's the other chemicals that are harmful to your health, we think. Um, but so when you smoke, your liver works overtime and it, 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 it uh, breaks down your psychiatric medications and often people's doses can be cut in half. They, if they're on clozapine or olanzapine, they can have substantial reductions in their dose and that's yeah. something that we need to study more, I think, um, combination treatments. And then looking at nicotinic agonists like varenicline or nicotine itself as potential treatments. So again, the nicotine may be therapeutic and you know, Wellbutrin seems to substitute for nicotine in some ways. Nicotine improves cognition, but we found that bupropion does as well. Um, and others have to. It's used for ADHD, you know. Yeah. And um, um, people are studying varenicline right now for cognitive enhancement. In um, the schizophrenic population or yes. um, in everyone? Um, Probably both. No, not everyone, but it'll be looked at for, for Alzheimer's disease, for ADHD, and for schizophrenia. Okay. And there are half a dozen other nicotinic agonists on the market right now. That was quick. So where can people find details about your studies? They can look at us on, look us up online, the Mass General Center for Addiction Medicine. We have a varenicline study for people with who can get free treatment for a year in three states right now, so New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Michigan. We may be in California, North Carolina. In the... uh... Well, thank you. So please um, look on the website, MTH um, Center for Addiction Medicine. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure.